tuned in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from episode number 395 with Ryan Grubbs, who is now working at the Houston Texans. In this episode, we have a little chat around gym-based assessments to use to guide speed training, hip isometric assessments and what the data can tell us, and turning data into speed training interventions. So really insightful episode with Ryan. But just before we do dive into this episode, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're looking for a free solution to be able to collect, analyze, visualize, and present data to coaches, check out AMS Lite from Rock Daisy at rockdaisy.com. Cool. Right, we've done on-field profiling. What kind of assessments of off-field assessments are you conducting with your athletes and maybe will do moving forwards as well that's non-field-based vertical jumps various different strength assessments that actually feeds into this whole profile to help you guide your speed training program with the athletes that you're working with what would those be yeah absolutely i think when you look at most of the research and information that's out there sprint profiling like you said is becoming significantly more prevalent um all you have to do is look to jb marin's research and you, you can find a lot of information there but for us even though force velocity profiling in these different tests are giving you the strategy of how they get to velocity and how they get to speed it's still largely an outcome measure for us and it's what we kind of like anchor ourselves to as far as profiling the other tests that are on the periphery are where we gain much deeper insights and in, into how we can make change to our athletes and how we can make change into um, how they can perform in sprinting and things like that. And so when we start to ask these questions, is it physical or is it technical? I want to know that if it's a physical issue, I need, it needs to be addressed to be able to maximize the impact of, of our technical interventions. So for example, we've already went over the load velocity profiling. That for us is a specific strength profile that sits very close to the unloaded sprint profiling process that we do. Now, even another layer removed is gonna be um, our horizontal jump assessment. So we're talking broad jump, we're talking triple jump, we're talking triple broad jump. I wanna know, I wanna get insights into what are the ratios between these tests? And then what are the insights that we can gain from these tests? So if I'm largely successful in a broad jump, but struggle in a triple broad jump, well, I know that my reactive elastic abilities may be suffering. And I need to address that. One, the test becomes the intervention. And two, through other kind of reactive elastic means. So it shows us the ability to, to, without large technical implications, orient large forces horizontally and throw myself and project myself forward. Can I do that one time? And can I do it repeatedly and on a single limb? Even more removed from that, we're looking at more tests that are around the periphery, is ballistic jumps. So what's the load velocity profile of my jumps? What's the load velocity profile of my strength lifts? From those, we'll be able to tell, are you fast at heavy loads or are you fast at light loads? And where are you relative to the position group? Because if those things are struggling, you're going to generally lean towards certain KPIs around certain groupings. So we all, we, we talk about like narrowing our focus. So the sprint profile narrows our focus in. So we see this big run happen and we're able to, by how we group them, 
narrow our focus down to a certain segment of that run that we deem most important. And through that lens, we're able to know what KPIs surround that on the periphery. So for example, in acceleration, I wanna know, can I broad jump a certain distance relative to the position group? If I can't, that's a very general physical ability that largely great accelerators can do. Will that make you um, extremely fast or run very fast zero to 10? No, but if you're not good at it, we need to address it. Same thing with our, our maximal strength work. Can you produce force? Can you produce force in a general sense? And can you produce force in a specific sense, which is where we get our load velocity profile in sprinting. And so we're looking to our cleans and our Olympic lift derivatives. We're looking to our, our squats and our deadlifts. Like those are still largely important measures that we want to take off if we have athletes coming in that are underprepared. Do they have the general physical underpinnings to produce force? And so we're looking at all of these different measures that surround uh, these different groupings. And we're saying, where are the weak links at? Because if I'm looking at acceleration, again, it's, can I produce large forces, mass-specific forces? Can I orientate them well? But that's a technical component. And can I do it with large elements of reactivity? So if I know that they can produce force, I know that they have the ability to orientate themselves well. But when I evaluate their 10-5 RSI, or I use a run-specific isometric, that targets the ankle and the foot and they struggle, that's an easy piece that we need to address. So it's like you have these physical abilities that surround acceleration, transition, and max velocity, and then you just test measures that be able to give you insights into them. Because if I know that they are largely successful, they're strong, they're reactive, they can do a 10-5 RSI really well, they can move heavy loads very fast, they can project themselves well in a broad jump, but they can't accelerate, then we need to work on the technical component. We need to look to the video kinematics and hone in on the technical issues that are surrounding that problem. But if I know that they can't accelerate and they're having technical issues that are kind of manifesting in the kinematics, but they're weak, they can't produce force, they're not reactive off the ground, and they can't project themselves horizontally, well, those are very, very easy issues that we can tick off in our physical training uh, toolbox, in addition to working on the technical interventions at the same time. So you're trying to bring everything up together. And so, you're, like I said, again, it, it really comes down to profiling is narrowing your focus. That's it. I need to narrow my focus in on the things that really matter and have targeted intervention strategies that are going to be able to hit those. So I spoke to Cam Joss uh, about 18 months ago, and he had a similar kind of framework where deficiencies in certain parts of the sprint led to specific gym-based exercises. The, the technical component didn't particularly come into it, but it was more the, the physical side. So do you have that kind of framework? I know you've just described it there that you obviously do, but this kind of framework, almost like a, um, like you're working down this, this, this flow of, okay, that's not right, that's not right, which means that we believe, based on our experience and our numbers, that this is the issue. Therefore, we have this, this, this that we target and then trying to hone in on on that on each individual athlete. In my head, that's what it sounds like. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it largely is. And I think for us, if you, if you look to like a Bonderchuk pyramid, where you're going from your competition exercise, you have your specific 
um, developmental exercises, your, your SPE exercises, and your general exercises. If you look at it as like a little bit of a pyramid, it's going from specific to general. But there's, there's areas along that entire pyramid that are going to have some transfer effect to the competition exercise and have large implications on what the, the, the levels kind of proceeding up to that exercise that you need to hit. So again, if I'm, if I'm going back to, uh, let's just say maximal velocity, I know an athlete who can accelerate really well, they can transition fairly well, but they just don't have the top end speed ability to kind of be able to, to, to hit high peak velocities. Well, it's like, I know that my V zero numbers, my, my, 20 to 30 fly times, my peak velocities, those are going to be my main outcome measures that I'm looking at influencing. And then what are the exercises that are surrounding that on the periphery or in the pyramid on the way down? Well, for us, it's special exercises. So essentially, if you're talking about max velocity, largely it is your ability to apply large vertical forces in short times. If you can apply large vertical forces in short times through big ranges of motion, you're largely going to be a fast runner. And that's seen through Peter Wayans work, Dr. Ken Clark, and, and all of these is that one, I need to be able to hit ranges of motion. So I shouldn't be asking an athlete to get to 105, 100 plus degrees of, of thigh separation at maximal velocity if they can't get there. And so that could potentially be a neurological effect, which is why we do so much split stance work with that group, is that if I'm not used to being able in, in a position where I have one limb flexed and the other extended, so basically pelvic disassociation, if I'm not used to those positions, I'm neurologically, I'm never going to get there. And so doing like split drops and, and reflexive eccentrics is kind of, you know, uh, Stu has kind of mentioned this as one of the big KPIs for his sprinters is their ability to essentially do these like reflexive eccentric split squats where they fall into it and, and able to apply uh, rapid braking forces to loads on their back. I mean, that's a very, it's a very good indicator of your ability to be stiff under load, have a large system stiffness. And so if we're looking at our specific exercises is can they do bent leg scissors and prime times through for speed through gates? So their ability to use their hip to swing and be reactive and it challenges the posterior chain. It's a special exercise for us that if we know if that's moving in the right direction, our maximal velocities will largely follow suit. Bounding type exercises. So being able to use bounding coefficients or bounding for time, like those are all exercises that if we get those moving in the right direction are largely going to have influence on our, on our maximal velocity. Same thing when we're talking about the load velocity profile. So in the inverse of acceleration, we're looking at really light loads. Is can you move loads around, you know, 2 to 10% body weight fast relative to the group? Is it running at max velocity? No, but that's what makes it one step removed from the competition exercise. It's saying, do you have the special strength to be able to run against some light loads, but fast? And so we know, like, for those exercises largely that, we can train them throughout every single training week and have them run through gates and time um, during our sessions and constantly monitor the, the progress of our training program without having to get peak velocities. And so, and then you're looking at even more removed is, can you do 
can you do triple jump? Can you depth jump to a certain height? Can you do these reactive elastic measures around the foot and the ankle to have, give you the physical abilities to be able to run fast? And so we're, we're kind of training all of these things and seeing where there's gaps and deficiencies. And when you're talking about run specific isometrics, we've, I know we kind of want to lead into this a little bit, but it's important to kind of hit on these that we have certain names around some of these different analysis pieces and we call this specific joint profiling. So I know that if I can broad jump a certain distance or throw a med ball a certain distance, it's, it's largely taking the technical implications out of it in relation or relative to sprinting. But I still don't know that that's solely coming from my hip. Athletes can compensate any number of ways to be able to throw themselves forward. So I really want to isolate specific joints when I'm looking at deficiencies in their, in their game. So it's what do fast runners do well? They can produce large forces around the hip in short times. They can be really reactive around the foot and the ankle. And they can be really stiff around the knee joint and be able to apply very stiff contacts that can let the force manifest its way up into the hip. And so when we're looking at the, we want to isolate these, these tests. And this is what we use for our specific joint profiling is where Alex and Tara's work has been so instrumental. James Wilde has been so instrumental in the work that they've done and being able to say, if I do a single leg hip extension with a fairly straight leg, it's going to be a specific joint. It's going to be a specific um, joint range at the knee position relative to maximal velocity sprinting. I'm isolating the hip extension power and seeing, can I produce peak force and can I do it fast? I think that's really what we're looking at there. And if you don't have that ability to generate high forces around the hip in short time frames, in 100 to 200 milliseconds, that's a gap that we'll address in our isometric training and our general work. And so you're, again, you're talking about moving up and down the period of all of these exercises that have some relation and transfer to the competition exercise that we're trying to improve. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip came from episode number 395 with Ryan Grubbs, and that can be found on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and look forward to chatting to you next time.